Well, thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Good to be here uh, with you, sitting and talking with you. You know, there's a uh, there's a lot of um, you know podcasts that uh, talk to uh, entrepreneurs. I'd say um, where this one's a little bit different is we want to talk to people and listen and share, you know, and be able to, for other people to peek in, but listen to people who have achieved un uncommon success. I'd say you fit that, right? Uncommon success, doing remarkable things. But um, I really like to figure out where a lot of that stuff comes from. And you don't really achieve uncommon success unless you've uh, got a driver, a purpose. You've got something going on inside. And also so. probably if you don't have a lot of failures along the way. <laughs> we'll talk about that. I'm familiar. Uh, well, hey, so talk to me about, um, you know, what, what, what would you say is your purpose? And then let's talk about how you discovered your purpose. Uh, I think there in life, I think you have so many different purposes, right? I don't think that there's just one thing. I think you can think about it in a macro and in the micro. In the macro, I think for me, it's to love God and love people mm -hmm. as best I can, as many ways as I can, as many places as I can, um, through as many ventures and avenues and um, foundations and speaking and um, and podcasts and um, businesses and sports and every way that you get a chance to do that. I think there's so many venues for that. But I also think there's there's other opportunities that I think you could also say is, is you know your purpose in, in seasons and times in your life, right? And um, I think, you know, sports has been an, an opportunity for me. Business has been an opportunity. Speaking has been an opportunity. Um, you know, growing up on the mission field is an opportunity. All those, I think, are part of my purpose and a part of the plan that I think God has for my life that have continued to learn in every single one of those moments and every single one of those seasons. And so when you when you look at someone's purpose, I don't think you can just say, hey, it is just this one thing. I think when you step back and you look at the micro or at the macro, sure. But I think there are seasons and times in your life where you know, you might be in this place in college or in this place in high school, or you just graduated and you're trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And I think what happens in that moment is so many people get stuck because they think, Oh, well, well, my purpose is to, you know, start a business or my purpose is to make it to the NFL or my purpose is to do X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And so they're so focused on that destination of what they think their purpose is of this end of the journey destination yeah. rather than to be present in the moment while I still can understand that this is my end goal. For example, like, you know, let's say you're someone that wants to, to be a missionary. You feel called to do that. Well, you and I failed at this many times. That mission doesn't start when I land in that third world country mm -hmm. and I forget all the people I was on the plane with. Mm -hmm. I forget all the people that I was in the Uber or the taxis or <laughs> all the people that I get to see day to day is so many times when we try to live a, a, a purpose or a mission driven life we get so focused on this is my mission and we forget that there's so many people we come in contact with that are also part of that mission. So good. You know, and, and just when I, I know, okay, this is what I want to do, I can't pass up all the opportunities till I get to that place. I love that. I look at uh, fr like framing it for me, which was a, a lesson for me was, you know, uh, there are lifetimes, there are seasons and there are moments. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I really struggled with is I thought my calling was this lifetime full of, you know, uh, helping others uh, do what they were called to do. And then <clears throat> I realized that there were seasons that would change. And then yeah. what, one of the things that helped me, and this is one of the things I'd love to hear from you are some of the discoveries of the moments along the way, because I, I one of the things that I started to live for in the journey is 
the moments. There were these purpose moments that I was like, that was supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. And what what was maybe a an early moment for you that started off, you know, like it, at the origin story of your of your purpose, what was kind of a moment for you where you're like, okay, that was supposed to happen? A couple of things with that. First, I, you use the word calling multiple times yeah. and I love it, but I think we throw it around all the time mm -hmm. and we don't necessarily always understand what it means. So mm -hmm. in the Greek, what calling means is an urgent and divine invitation to accept responsibility for a particular task. Mm. And I think it's important that Say we- Say it again. An urgent and divine invitation to accept responsibility for a particular task. I love it. And for me, um, that first big moment where I felt like my life was wrecked in a good way mm. because I knew I, I was being asked or called to accept responsibility for a particular task was when I was 15 years old okay. and I was in uh, the jungles of the Philippines. The Philippines is made up of thousands of islands and we had the opportunity on this trip. So I, I was born there. I lived there for the first five years of my life. And, wow. Um, and we went back a, a bunch, but this was, this trip, I was 15 and we'd been there for about three weeks and we were in so many places. We were in schools and hospitals and orphanages and, and clinics and doing so many amazing things. But we travel one day to super remote Island, um, cause it's made up of over 7,000 islands and they're not necessarily super close to each other. <laughs> so we're in the middle of nowhere and we get to this island we have to hike up to where there are jeeps and we get in a jeep and they call them jeepneys and we drive to the top of the mountain and we get out and we're walking into this village and everyone just freaks out they're so excited to see us and why was because they had never had visitors in the history of this village no way that's what they told us is you, we were the first visitors they've ever had. So you just foreign your, visitors. Are you just with your family, or are you no, with another group? I, I, so we're, the the team was probably 30, 40 wow. um, um, on this mission trip, but we probably only had five or six of us, maybe seven of us, um, that were on this part because we all split up to wow. go to different places. Yeah, and um, so it's probably six or seven of us um, that were together, and um, we get out of the jeep and we're walking in. And they're just freaking out, so excited in an awesome way, running up to us and hugging us, grabbing our, our our cheeks, holding our hands. The kids are literally like hanging off of your legs. They're so excited to have visitors and just so sweet. And the Philippine, the Filipino people are just some of the nicest people in the world, in my opinion. I've been fortunate and traveled to a lot of countries, and I don't know if there's a nicer group of people in the world. They're incredible people, and um, you know, I, I sort of feel like I am a little bit of you know a Filipino. Yeah, I was born yeah. there. Yeah. Until um, COVID, I was playing on Team Philippines. Um, oh my gosh! Uh, you know, for the U.S. Baseball Classic, and so okay, I just, I'm, awesome. I, you know, it's very near and dear to my heart. Um, but as we're walking into this village, our, the reason we're there is to share our faith. And so we gather all the, the people in the village, about 1,200 people, and I have the opportunity to, to share my faith and share the good news of the gospel. And I, as I'm doing, I see three boys in the back right corner turn and walk away. And I'm kind of like blown away. I, I, I don't understand. That's I, different I, than the welcome that you just Yeah, got. it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like literally, I'm not exaggerating like row one is standing on my feet and I can touch row seven. Okay. I mean, people are packed, right? Yeah, you know? Yeah. And I just, it kind of hit me and I don't know why I saw it, but I couldn't get it out of my head and I finished sharing and a lot of people um, said yes um, to Jesus that day and it was awesome and we finished and they're giving us hugs and but I was just like, man, I, 
I don't know why they left. Yeah. I, I just want to go see if maybe I, I can see them. I don't know. They just it felt like they you. had a piece of my heart. Yeah. And I wanted to go see. So I'm walking around the back of the school and I don't see them anywhere. And there's a little dirt road. I'm walking down the dirt road and I don't see them. And off of that dirt road, there's another smaller dirt road. And I see at the end of that dirt road, um, right around 200 yards or so, there's a little bamboo hut. And I see one of those boys crawl from under it and he sees me and he comes walking towards me. And so I, I walk towards him. I meet him halfway and I try to say hello. He says nothing to me. He just grabs me by two of my fingers like this and he pulls me to the bamboo hut like right over his shoulder, like pulling me. And um, so we get to the hut. He still doesn't even say anything to me. He just gets on his knees and he crawls in the bamboo hut. So I'm standing out there like, well, I guess I'm going to go in too. And so I, I get on my knees and I crawl into this. I mean, the opening is so small and I yeah. crawl into the hut and I see the other two boys and um, one of them is laying on a bamboo cot and the other one is sitting by his shoulder, holding his hand, rubbing it like this. And at first it looked like everything was okay. But then I, I looked at the boy laying on the bamboo cot and you start to kind of scan the room and I, I look over and I see his, his feet and his feet were on backwards. Oh my goodness. And it was the first time that I had ever seen anything like that up close and personal. And it kind of hits you hard and I'm a little bit emotional, but kind of yeah. holding back tears to yeah, act like yeah. I'm not stunned yeah. a little bit, you yeah. know? And, and so I just get on my knees and I start talking with these three boys and we're having a good conversation, sharing why we're there and, and having a probably a 10 or so minute conversation. But the whole time I just, I wanted to ask and I almost yeah. felt like I had to ask. Yeah. Why did you leave? When, when everyone is fighting, I mean, literally pushing and shoving to get as close to us as possible. And every one of them is coming up to us and getting as many hugs as possible. And, you know, some of our teammates with blonde hair, you know, they couldn't believe it. They were like pulling the blonde hair. <laughs> There's still some there, I promise. You know, they were so excited. Like, why when all that's happening? Yeah. Why did, why did you leave? And uh, Sherwin is the name of the boy with his feet on backwards. And he looks at me and with so much hesitation and trepidation, he says, um, our principal really wanted to impress the Americans in my whole life. I've been told I'm not impressive. Oh man. And, um, so now I'm just like also trying mm -hmm. to hold back tears, yeah. but I'm like, I knew that's I, a, that's I, another. I, I know I'm supposed to see these boys, you know? And, and so I'm, I keep talking to him and, sharing about the love of God, that how much God loves them mm -hmm. and has a plan for their life and how much they matter and their worth, regardless of what anybody else says, mm -hmm. you know, how much God loves them. Mm -hmm. And, um, our team comes and they've been looking for me for like 20 minutes now because we got to go to another village yeah. and they find me literally in the middle of nowhere. And they're like, Timmy, we got to go. And I'm like, no, I'm never leaving. Yeah. I like, guess you yes. are. Let's go. Yes. And, uh, so I, I stand up and I'm getting ready to, to walk out of the bamboo hut and, and Sherwin looks at me and says, uh, Timmy, would, would, would you carry me? And I was like, dude, of course, you know, like, yeah. I, said that for, I was like, why did you, why are you even nervous to ask? You do, I got you, let's go. You know, and I, I scoop him up and right when I pick him up, one of his friends grabs his hand and the other one grabs one of his feet and they're so close. They literally kind of hold on to each other the, the whole time. And I loved it. It was so cool. And so together, the four of us, we walk out of this bamboo hut together and our team was there, but then so were all of the Filipinos and, and they saw me. And instantly you could hear an audible gasp. 
and I didn't, I didn't put it together at first. I thought, why? He's carrying the uh, unacceptable one. But I, I didn't know that at yeah. first. For, but then I realized they weren't gasping at me. They were gasping that I was carrying him. And what we came to find out is they believed that um, that he was cursed. Wow. That he was less than, that he was insignificant. And they also believed that the more you touched him, the greater chance of being cursed yourself. And so that's why they that's why they were couldn't believe that I was carrying him. And so I'm carrying him, I take a couple steps and everyone backs away from me. Mm-hmm. And I take a couple more steps and they back away from me. And you gotta understand that for so long they've been been told this that mm-hmm. he was born different, and so he is different, and that different is worse, that different is less than, that difference is insignificant, mm-hmm. and that difference is cursed by the gods. Mm-hmm. But for the first time, they've just heard the good news of the mm-hmm. gospel. Mm-hmm. God loves every single person. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus died on the cross, it counted for every person, that every person has worth, has value. Every person was created in love, by love, and for love with the God of this universe. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you could see their minds wrestle with it. It's a counterculture moment like, happening. Wait, yeah. wait a second. Is it what we've always been told? Or does God also love him? Mm-hmm. And we get I get about 10 or so steps in, and one of the elders of the village comes walking up to us and puts her hand out and touches Sherwin on the shoulder which is right by me, I'm carrying him like this and touches his shoulder, as to finally say, you're welcome here mm. in front of everybody. And then another one comes up and touches Sherwin's shoulder as to say, you're welcome here. Mm. And then we're walking by him and then there'll still be a few people that would kind of back away. Mm-hmm. And there'll be another person that would reach out and touch him kind of to say, hey, you're welcome now. You're welcome mm-hmm. now. And then a few more would back away. And so we finally get by everybody and over to the Jeep. And we got to get in the Jeep to, to leave for the next village that we're heading to. And I get on my knees and I pray with these three boys to accept Jesus. And I look at Sherwin and, and the other two. And I just say, guys, I don't know if I'm ever going to see you again in the Philippines mm-hmm. or if you're ever going to see me in America. But I totally believe one day I'm going to see you in heaven. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sherwin looks at me and he says, Kuya Timmy, which means brother. I can't wait to run with you in heaven. Oh, that's amazing. And um, I, we never talked about what heaven's like. We never talked about yeah, what yeah. your body's like. Literally never came up, yeah. you know? And, but just how, in my opinion, supernatural. Your first thought is like, I can't wait to run with you in heaven. I just thought it was so freaking cool. That's so good. And um, so now I'm not just um, holding back tears. It's like ugly crying. So they're like, Timmy, let's go. You got to get in the Jeep. And I'm like, no, I'm never leaving again. Like, yeah. yes, you are. And um, so I give him hugs and I get in the Jeep and I drive down the mountain and I just knew that day, I knew when I drove up the mountain that I love sports, I was so freaking driven and competitive. Yeah. I knew I wanted to, to try to be the best I could be in it. Mm-hmm. But man, driving down that mountain, just whole different perspective mm-hmm. of what I was supposed to do, what I was called to do. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I didn't know how exactly, but I knew, I knew so clearly that I was called to fight for boys and girls like Sherwin around the world. I didn't know how, <laughs> I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't, it, there was no epiphanies. I just knew for, for Sherwin's and for all of these boys and girls that are viewed as less than, it's insignificant. Mm. I just was that feeling of 
you know, God putting on my in my head and in my heart of they're they're not throwaways. Yeah. They're not throwaways to me, and they better not be a throwaway to you, Timmy. Mm-hmm. And um, I just knew that was. I don't even think if I saw you right when we were leaving. I don't even know if I could have verbally explained that to you. Yeah, I just it was this. It made a mark. It made such a mark, yeah. you know that. For him, every boy and girl like him, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. You know? And um, and that was the the really first life-altering moment for me where that was where I knew that I had a purpose beyond some of the things I thought where I didn't know how I was going to execute on it, know how we were, what we were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led to, to so many more things that led to, to going back into more orphanages and more places and, and serving. And then ultimately that led to my first day out of college when I was allowed to start um, the Tim Teo Foundation. It was the first thing we did. Yeah. And we wrote the mission statement. All I did was think of Sherwin. Wow. And it's okay. Sherwin and every boy and girl, what situation are they in? And so when we write the mission statement, it's to bring faith, hope, and love to those needing a brighter day in their darkest hour of need. Mm. That was Sherwin. What did Sherwin need? Sherwin needed faith, hope, and love. Why? Because he was in his darkest hour of need. Mm. And that is our heart. That is our mindset. That's our heart posture. That's our calling is for those in their darkest hour of need, what wins? Mm -hmm. Faith, hope, and love. Mm -hmm. Let's go bring it. Yeah. That was our mindset. That's our mission statement. And that was... From an interaction with the, with an amazing young boy. Well, if you think about it, that it anchored you, in a way, it created an undeniable experience that you uh, have never forgotten. It still tugs on you today. We're just talking about it. It tugs on you, so it anchored you in that way, and likely changed the trajectory of Sherwin's life that moment. And it also helped other people see, uh, maybe a different perspective about what it meant to, you know, love and action, right? Mm-hmm. It isn't, you, you didn't just go, Hey, I'm just going to tell you some stuff. That's right. You picked him up and that's kind of what reverberated the message. I, I, I think that that's one of the, the things that I, uh, callings should have reverberations that, uh, the, the waves, the changes, the things that happen that can happen from those moments. It, it, it and then when you revisit those moments over and over again, or they happen to you, there's like a craving for that. I want to do it over and be a part That's of right. those things over and over again. You know what? I would also say um, that Sherwin had such a big impact, but I would say equally as big, his two friends had a huge impact on me too. Mm. Because could you imagine if the biggest thing that had ever taken place in your school, your village, your city, your church, whatever it is, mm. well, would you have been willing to miss that because there was someone in need and not just someone that's a friend, not just someone that the community cares about, yeah. but someone that everybody else despises. Yeah. That's and where, fears. that's where I was like, Oh my gosh. You know, and, and to be honest, the, the more we got to hear about their story and from here, from other people, there's a good chance. The only reason Sherwin survived, was because they went and found food wow. and honestly probably sometimes stole food yeah, yeah. to keep him alive. It's amazing. And I just like, dang. Yeah. And honestly, the answer for me when I was there is probably no, I don't know if I would have been willing to do that, but I want to be willing to do that. 
You know, and if I was in that situation today, I don't know. Yeah. But I want to be that person. Yeah. I want to be those two friends. You know what? And, and what's so cool about it is the picture that it painted in my brain. Because I also don't think when I left, I, I could have verbalized exactly what I was thinking. But the picture that it left in my brain was Sherwin is hurting. Mm. And he's an outcast. And one of them is right by his side holding his hand saying, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what I got to miss out on. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And the other one, the reason that he left the hut was because he heard that the Americans were there to share good news. And he thought, if the news is so good, I'm going to go find one of them and bring them back so Sherwin can hear the good news. Wow. That's why he came and saw me and came and grabbed me to bring so that his friend could hear the good news. That's amazing. But that's how we're supposed to live for people. Yeah, yeah. Hey, when someone's hurting, we're there. Hey, I'm with you. Doesn't matter what else I could be doing. I'm with you because yeah. you're hurting. And that's also what compassion looks like. Mm-hmm. The actual meaning of compassion is to care so much for someone that I'm willing to suffer with them. Mm. Not, I, I, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I, mean, I hope you feel better. That's pity. Yeah. Compassion is, you're, you're in the suck, mm-hmm. I'm going to get in with you. Mm-hmm. You're hurting, I'm going to hurt with you. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to be with you. And, and that's what was just so staggering to me. Is one of them was with them. The other said, okay, you know what? There's good news. Watch this. I'm going to get someone. I'm bringing them back so my friend can hear it. Yeah. Do we love people that much? Do we love people that much? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I, we say it all the time. Yeah. And I don't know if I do it, but I, I, I want to. I want to be those two friends to people. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah, it's like uh, I call it being in the foxhole with somebody. You know, if somebody's in a firefight, I'm going to get in the foxhole with them. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help them. I'm going to do whatever I can to help them get out. That could be uh, any type of help. And that's one of the things that uh, drives kind of the things like this like even just having these types of conversations is to find ways to give people the nuggets to be in the foxhole with them to be a part of the same community that they're a part of because the effect right it doesn't necessarily have to be uh uh something that people would call like a religious moment Mm -hmm. right but there are a lot of people that need a lot of help right there's help for your soul which is uh vital and important right it's a key part of your message and there's also people that need uh, that are in a dark moment and actually need to get out of a situation or need advice on whatever situation they're in. Absolutely. Or they need somebody that's been there before can go, hey, tweak this, push on that, don't do this. Or somebody that's terrified of doing something, right? You gotta have you gotta have something that you're willing to share and that's getting right. in the foxhole and being being a part about it, being a part of it with them. I, I totally agree. Why let's do something about it. Mm-hmm. And and let's not just do something about it for the people that we really care about. Yes, that, that's important, let's do that. But let's do that for even maybe a person that we don't like. Yeah. Maybe people that we don't agree with. Yeah. Maybe people that we have nothing in common with. Because mm-hmm. they're just as valuable as that love as the people we have everything in common with. Yeah, so good. Well, one of the things that I think is uh, awesome about your story and about this story, right, is there was a spark that was kind of born, right? It, there was a discovery. There was something that you couldn't quite define. Mm-hmm. And um, something that tends to come uh, along with that and uh, in, in maybe um, as, it, as that spark sort of matures or forms or whatever is leadership, you know? Uh, because l- leaders 
often are the ones that are doing something about it. That doesn't mean you have to have a thor like a, a positional authority to lead, right? It's so true. I think it's so overrated. Yeah, leading just, self. Just because you have others. the title doesn't mean that people will follow you. Yeah, they might follow you a little bit because they have to because your title. Mm -hmm. But people don't want to follow titles. They want to follow courage. They want to follow passion. They want to follow uh, a vision. They want to follow. Um, they want to follow someone that that they see something in them that they want in themselves. Yeah, it's so good. And I, I think I, I, what was kind of a a leadership, an early leadership discovery for you, right? What was kind of a story where you're like, wait a second, uh, if I'm going to be a person that's going to do something about it, whatever I encounter, whatever challenge I face, or if I see others facing challenge, I'm going to do something about it. What was kind of an early one for you where you're like, leadership really started to form you? Mm. I think I was very fortunate because I got to see my dad, who I think is a really good leader, um, my whole life growing up. And I got to watch so many coaches that I had yeah. growing up and I got to see them lead in so many different ways. And leadership comes in all forms, yeah. sizes, shapes, backgrounds, tones messages it's this not one it's not cookie cutter this is because you go to a leadership conference and they say do it this way right there's been leaders throughout history that have done it in so many different ways yeah. and and leadership is not cookie cutter leadership is another form of influence and i i think personally the the number one way to lead people is not for them to like you <laughs> it's for them to respect you that's good because I think so much, it's like, man, if I want to lead my team or I want to lead my business or I want to lead my church or I want to lead my school or I want to lead my friends, it's like, man, they should really like me. Well, what happens is if you form these likes with so many people and they like you because of what you have in common or the video games or you play sports together or whatever, what happens when you disagree and they don't like you as much? Right, because likes are super fickle. Look at social media. Oh yeah, they click because oh you posted a meme that's funny. They like that. What about when you post something that you believe in that you stand up for? They might not like it. But what happens if you form all these likes but you don't have true respect? Is the likes are going to come and go. But if you form respect, a deep rooted respect for the other person that's not surface level, mm -hmm. well. When we agree, great. When we don't agree, well, I still respect them so much that yeah. I'm gonna have the conversation. We're gonna dive deeper into a relationship. And you know, I had the chance to tell some um, some young student athletes a couple of days ago. You know, are you searching for more likes and followers? Or are you searching for more respect from your peers and those that are looking up to you? because I just believe it's gonna last so much longer. And and honestly, this was something that I, I went through a lot my freshman year in college where I'm, uh, by nature, I'm such a people pleaser. I really am. I wanna be friends with people. I want them to like me. I wanna, um, you know, I wanna be that person that like welcomes everybody, that gives everybody a hug, that, you know. Make I everybody just, feel apart. Me and my mom are very similar. Like, we, we couldn't watch movies where people like, were overly mean or they made fun of themselves in movies like we were like we would cringe we'd be like no 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 it would be but like my dad is so opposite my dad is so bold and he could just he could care less what people think and you just stand up and be so bold and i was like i am so opposite of that <laughs> by my nature and 
and I'm so so much like my mom in that way where I just like I I didn't want conflict. I just wanted to be friends. And then my freshman year, I'm just getting you know crushed in a lot of ways on a on a national stage. And um, I just remember going to my dad and saying, Dad, like all these people that are crushing me right now, if they got to know me, <laughs> Dad, they would like me. Yeah, they would. And my dad's like, you know what, Timmy? They, they would. Do you know why? Because you're likable. But I got to tell you, son, I don't think all of them want to like you because they don't want to get to know you. And you're going to have to learn how to deal with that mm. when people don't want to like you, when they don't want to get to know you. And I was just stunned a little bit. That's an aha moment. It was. And um, like, wait a second. These people writing these articles... They don't want to get to know me so they can write more accurately. They don't want to get to know me. You know, it just whatever, whatever They've point. They've got to like doesn't... the accuracy. They need it to be right, right? <laughs> and whatever. It's, a, you know, for whatever reason. Or they don't like you for Yeah. And yeah, I was just really taken back. And at the same time, I was reading a book by Winston Churchill at a time in his life where the majority of the world disliked him because the allies thought he was losing the war with the strategy. And obviously, if you're on the other side, then he was your enemy. So everybody pretty much couldn't stand him. Yeah. And he writes, if you have enemies, good. It means you stood up for something at least once in your life. And I was like so puzzled. I was like, how the heck can having enemies be good? <laughs> it was such a puzzling yeah. concept. And really thinking about it, you're like, wait a second. It's because he was willing to stand for something mm -hmm. that so many other people weren't. He was willing to stand for his convictions. And in doing that, it turned some people off. But even in doing that, look at now how people talk about him. Oh man. Yeah. Now there movies come out about him. Now people talk about his leadership. But then that's not what they were saying. Yeah. But it's also because he lived by his convictions, probably not necessarily by his emotions. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful that we get to live by our convictions, not our emotions. And I believe when we when we live by our convictions and we, we're not gonna be perfect with that, we're gonna fall and we're gonna mess up with that. But when we try to stand with them and try to stand behind them, what we can do is we can earn people's respect slowly. It doesn't come as fast as likes, but it's also gonna be so much more of a stabilizer and long-term relationship builder than likes would be yeah and and that was something that really reading that and and also setting a few more things were things that really helped me i couldn't change necessarily the way i'm wired but i could start start to change my mindset yeah and my heart posture say okay you know what listen i know this is going to come i know there's going to be criticism i know there's going to be dislikes but i'm going to make a choice to say that's not what i'm going for yeah. today i'm going to earn people's respect I'm going to earn my teammates' respect. I'm going to earn my coaches' respect. I'm going to try to earn the fans' respect. I'm going to try to earn the media's respect. I'm going to try to earn the students' respect. I'm going to try to earn my teachers' respect. I'm going to earn. I'm going to work for that. I'm going to work for that. I'm going to work for that. Whether I show up day one and they like me because I stand for what they believe in or they dislike me because I stand against what they believe in. Either way, it doesn't matter the starting position. I want to do my best to try to earn their respect. Doesn't matter where it really started. And so that was kind of a, a mindset that I had to choose every day because it's not the way I was wired, yeah. not the way I'm, I was and, and honestly still am wired. But when you choose that over and, I, over and over again, I do think you start to grow more into that. And so 
I don't think I'm, I'm still not like my dad. My, you know, my dad <laughs> was and still is one of those guys that, you know, just so bold yeah, and so courageous out of him. Yes. It does. It just, it does. I mean, it's, it's incredible and I'm definitely not there, but I do think getting closer and closer to that. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. What, uh, what, one of the things that I, I really, uh, enjoy like a, like a Brene Brown, for example, with like a dare to lead, right? One of the things with leadership that I, I really love that she says it's leadership is, uh, the, being able to discover somebody's potential or potential in something or somebody and taking responsibility to help develop it. It's like that, that right there was like, oh man, it's, you, you don't have to have positional authority, but you can be like a Sherwin's friend. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they're, they were doing some sort of leadership because they were like, there's potential, there's something here. I'm doing this. There's something like that. So what, what was kind of like a, uh, when did you like, cause I mean, obviously when you were playing with the Gators, you were a, a leader, right? <laughs> you could get the whole stadium, you know, going. When did that sort of leadership edge start to come up in you? Well, I love the, that word edge. I think it's so important. Um, I'm gonna go back to saying the same thing of respect, but I, I, I wanna frame it a different way. It, it doesn't mean necessarily in all the serious ways or all the ways we take it. Yeah. It could be in the little moments. And I remember just one example of one of my first weeks, I think it was my first week, my first Friday, I believe, on campus. And we finished a lower body workout that has a name for it that I can't repeat. And it's really, it was, really hard. It was leg day. It was really was hard. <laughs> and um, and so some guys are, are puking, mm-hmm. guys are exhausted, you know, guys are helping each other up off the ground, like just like exhausted. Mm-hmm. And so all the, the staff saying, all right, now you gotta go get in the cold tub and you gotta get in the cold tub up to your hips for seven minutes. And so, you know, I'm new there and I'm trying to, you know, figure my place, but also I have this little bit of goal of, you know, I want to show that I'm a little yeah. different and earn people's respect. I, and I got some, I got some edge in me. Yeah, yeah, I have a little edge, right? Yeah. And um, so all these guys and guys that I've looked up to, right? Yeah. These juniors and seniors, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm playing with you, like you're on the same team, and they're all arguing with all the strength staff. They're like, no, okay, what about this? What if I get in three <laughs> minutes? Uh, and they're negotiating like it's ever gonna work, you know? And so the whole time they're all arguing. I just walk into the cold tub and I get in up to my neck and it's miserable. It's awful. Yeah. Right. But you just do it. And I try to have a, a straight face and I'm just in there sitting there in the, the, the deep side of the cold tub and everyone turns around and they look at me. What are you doing? They're like, yeah, like what the heck's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, the freshman's up to his neck right That's now. Right. But it's just as something as silly as that, that, it starts to put in people's mind, you're willing to do something I don't know if I was willing to do, mm. right? And willingness is such a cool concept. Mm-hmm. And when they see that, it sounds stupid, right? It sounds silly, you're just in the cold tub. That's not a big deal. It is when you do little things like that all the time where they say, oh my goodness, you're willing to do that. Mm. And then in a workout, you're willing to not stop. And then when you get hurt, you're willing to play hurt. And what happens is they start is, is teammates. And this is true in anything. They watch this 
and they pick up on it. Yeah. And what happens is they then they can trust. When it gets really hard, we've seen you have an edge. We know in the fourth quarter, you're not going to flinch when other people do because you didn't flinch in the cold tub. You didn't flinch in the leg press. You didn't flinch on the wall squats. You didn't flinch when we're running 40 40s in a 105 degree heat, right? And, and, and they get to trust that. So in those moments when it gets really hard, it's not necessarily all about talent. It's about the willingness to embrace the grind, embrace the suck, embrace the, embrace the hard times where it's like, no, this is actually why we do the hard things so when it gets hard that's our biggest advantage you know one of the edges i think we had as a team in florida is we couldn't wait for it to be the worst conditions possible meaning the hottest the rainiest the muddiest the whatever it was the you know the the the, have the game go as long as possible yeah because we know that we're not going to get better they're going to get worse Mm -hmm. but we're going to show up over and over and over again and when Lactic acid starts to kick in and fatigue and pain starts to kick in. What happens is a few people start to flinch Mm. and a few start to hesitate. Then a few start to give in a little bit. Mm -hmm. And if you have a team that doesn't because you've been in those places in different areas because you work so hard in the mat drills on the practice field that you've gone through that pain and that pain has created discipline. And then when you're on the the team and you win those games your pain created discipline their pain created regret mm. because after the game they're thinking dang i wish we would have trained a little harder and we're thinking yeah we're so glad glad yeah. that we trained that hard i think that was one of the areas that we really love but anyways it kind of got off the point a, that's of a the collective edge. mindset though right there like what i just heard you say was uh you talked about respect and and the thing is is there's uh making there's there's people that take that i'm gonna make you respect me versus i'm gonna earn your respect so different it's, it's so totally different it's not different. even close it, like it, 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 and that, like that's you can make anybody do something yeah i just say i'm i want, I want to work so hard and i, I want to treat somebody in such a way and i want to be kind in such a way and i want to love in such a way that you know what you might start with the hard exterior towards me but you know what i'm chipping it away mm-hmm. you know and and i just want the chance to earn that what 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 i just heard you talk about was I'm going to call it like respect credits. <laughs> you, you're like, okay, I'm up to my neck, you know, and everybody's like, I remember that one. I heard this other story uh, about um, you and running stairs and how like, I, I don't know. I don't know if you remember this exact story. I'm sure you probably remember lots of these stories, but there was this story about you running the whole team having to run stairs and how you were willing to go faster. And you were like, I, this is the whole what what what's we said it in the thing what was the, your statement that which one it's about talent versus hard work what's your statement? oh hard work beats talent talent doesn't work as hard yeah yeah i love that I, that's one of my favorite I, I mean i repeated it back there I you did that from you the but the thing is is like uh you are what are some of the other respect credits that you earned on the team that got you to a place where it's like this is the captain this is the guy leading us i think it was in the little things i think the big things everybody wants to show up for right Day one of practice, everyone's fresh. Mm-hmm. What about day 15 of training camp? You still show up with the same mindset. You know, Mondays when you're fresh from the weekend, it's pretty easy to go in there and rah, rah. All right, let's get it on. Here we go. We're going to work out. What about Friday in the last and the finishing reps, the finishing exercises? And I think that's where people need to focus on so much more is don't just show up in the big things when everyone's fresh try to have that consistency that no matter the time the place the energy or 
necessarily the wellness if i'm feeling like it mm-hmm. you know you, you know who's going to show up you're going to get everything out of me mm-hmm. and i think maybe what you're referring to with the stadiums is when we run stadiums I, I would always try to start last because what does it matter if you start first and you win you yeah, started yeah. first you better win this is the story but if you start last and you win now it, it's saying to your teammates i, I was behind you guys mm-hmm. you know and i don't have to say anything you know it. You got lapped. You got passed. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and 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 there would be a tendency for you to make your way to the front somehow, yeah, or finish first. I, I would try. <laughs> I, I would try, but you know, I think that's. I, I do think in in the forms of leadership, they're so different. But I also think one of the common things that is a thread is example and it's grind it's it's the hard places right and so when you're willing to give you know to to try to be an example and you're willing to do it in the hard places right not not just oh hey you know to the first the the new person on the team you know um hey you go do this no hey i'm gonna show you you come with me (laughs) right the difference in respect of of, that he's gonna have with you and it's like oh hey all the freshmen you got to go do this but if you're a senior and you really want those freshmen to, you know, to buy into the team, hey, I know you got to run extra because you're freshmen. I'm gonna run with you. Keep up with me. Let's go. You know, you wait. You didn't have to do this, but you chose to do this. Mm. You know, in that form of example, not in the easy times, like not in oh, I'm gonna stand up and give you a speech in front of everybody when that's easy, right? And talk about hard work and all these things. But, but, and I'd also say that's not the goal. So. This has been a funny concept that I've thought about for years is why did we make for young people, the we would say, hey, you really need to be a hard worker. I I just never understood that. Mm -hmm. Why? Why? Hard work is not the goal. It's not the goal. Mm -hmm. Hard work is a means to get to your goal. It's the goal is not to be a hard worker. The goal is, hey, if you want to be the best, if your team wants to be the best, if you want to have a company that can be their best, mm-hmm. right? Well, you know what? As a byproduct, we're going to be hard workers. Stop inspiring people. Stop trying to use hard work as the goal. That's not going to inspire anybody. Use the end as the inspiration. And hard work, they're going to buy into it. Hey, listen, you know what? If you're trying to inspire a, a football player, I'm not going to say, hey, you need to work really hard. I'm going to say, hey, I want you to celebrate in front of 100,000 people as the best running back in the country. Because <laughs> when they get that vision yeah. of what you see in them, of what you believe, and then you tell them, because I believe you can do that. I believe that you can be the best running back in the country. I believe on third and four, we're going to give you the ball and you're going to get the first down and we're going to win the championship because how good you are. Mm. Now, if you want to get there, if you want to celebrate as that, I'm painting the picture of all the things they can accomplish. If you want to get there, if you want to do all those things, well, hey, this is the road to get there. And now hard work falls into it. Hard work's not the goal. And I hear coaches all the time, they use hard work. Hey, you need to be a hard worker. You need to be tough as possible. No, you need to care about the end. And when you care about the end, a byproduct is that I'm going to be more disciplined. I'm going to be tougher. I'm going to have a mindset. I'm going to be a hard worker. And I feel like we inspire people with those hard hard concepts it's hard to try to be tough it's hard to try to to be a hard worker every day it's hard to try to embrace the grind 
but the goal at the end has to be worth it. Yeah. And when they buy into what the end goal is going to be, all right, I know, I know if we buy in, or I believe if we buy in as a team, if we put a, aside selfish ambition as a team, I know that at the end of the year, we're all gonna celebrate it or confetti. Now everybody has that, that, that visual, that mindset, and they believe it, they buy into it, and, and okay, now I, I can give up. Maybe I was gonna go do this by myself, but now I'm gonna go eat with the team. Mm. I was gonna go do this, but now I'm gonna stay on a weekend and we're all gonna study a little bit extra. You know, be, not because they're like, man, I really wanna be a hard worker, you know? Or man, I just really wanna show that I'm disciplined. No, that's a byproduct <laughs> because they have their eye on the prize. Yeah. And I think it's not only true in sports, it's true in business, it's true in life, it's true in family. That's amazing. Uh, have you ever had like uh, a relationship that was, because well, let me back up. One of the things that I, I, you're, you just demonstrated is how you build relationships to create a tight bond across a team, right? You gave some examples of how you do that, the earning respect, the being like, I have permission to, as a senior, to not do something, but because I want to strengthen the bond of the team, I'm going to forego that position that I have earned and right. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go help build the bond even tighter. Right. What are some of the things that like were some challenging relationships that was hard to form that bond and what'd you do to kind of like overcome and, and strengthen a relationship? Hmm. Could be a teammate, something like that. Well, I mean, since we were on it, the first one that popped up was um We had, speaking of running stadiums, um, one day we were, we, our team got in trouble and we had to run stadiums at 5.55 in the morning, literally touch every single step in the swamp. Oh my gosh. And there's a lot, was, of, there's a lot of them for people. There's a know. lot. Yeah. 97,000 of them. And, um, and I start at the back and I start, we are all running and I start passing a few guys and I, I get beside one of the guys who's crazy talented crazy and he's also one of the strongest believers on the team mm -hmm. faith-based young man probably i'd say the strongest most outspoken more so than me wow very outspoken and uh, i said his name i said come on i need you you gotta go let's go come on brother let's do this and i keep going or he says to me no no god told me to stay back here and run with this guy <laughs> And um, the guy that he's pointing to is 400 pounds. Yeah. Doesn't move super fast. Yeah. Great. He's also a really good athlete, that guy. But <laughs> for 400 pounds. Yeah. Around. Yes, he could. And I was just like, okay. And keep running. And we finish and um, gather up the team at, in the in the swamp, the stadium. And um, we break it down. Everybody leaves to go to breakfast and go to their classes. And I ask him to stay. And I said, um, so you mind telling me um, a little bit of what's going on? And I uh, said, yeah. So I really felt like God put it on my heart or God told me that I need to stay back and run with him. And I said, okay. Um, well, I, I can't tell you what yeah. God told you. That, that's between, Let's just say that's a difficult that's, one to that's challenge. It, very difficult. I said, that's between you and him. And, and I honestly, I want to leave it there. But I, I got to tell you. That also, it's biblical that God put our coaches as authorities, mm. figures in our life, and 
they've given us instructions and he, also in scripture it says whatever your hand finds to do do it with all of your might mm. and you're a, um, a player on this team and i believe that you can be great and i believe that you can make this team so much better i believe you have been gifted with some incredible gifts you are so talented and i really think you have a really good heart but when the coaches say do 10 pull-ups you do seven when they say run 40 yards, you run about 32. The first day of pads, you're the first one that there's something going on with your hamstring. Mm. Maybe it is, but everybody knows it. Mm. And man, if you would just switch your mindset to when they say do pull-ups, do as many as you can because you're not counting, mm -hmm. right? When they say go, you know, we're, we're sprinting, sprint through the line not to the line, not before the line, mm -hmm. because you're one of the strongest believers on the team and I love that. But you also make it a lot harder on our team to influence people for Christ mm. because they know that you're going to pull up. Mm. It is a conversation that they all have. So you wanna impact people in so much of a greater way it's not just going to be when you invite people to FCA or Campus Crusade or mm -hmm. the worship service. It's going to be when whatever your hand finds to do, do you do it with all your might because that's what your character is, mm -hmm. right? And now when your words match up with your actions, look at the impact that you're going to have. And I believe you can do it. I want you to do it. I will do anything to help you do it. But until you make those choices, you won't play because our whole team is based on trust. Mm. When we run a play, whether you're the guard, tackle, tight end, X, Y, Z, H, it doesn't matter what position you are, you have a job and we have to trust one another that every single play that is called, that every single one of us know what we're gonna do and we're gonna do it with all of our might, every play. Mm -hmm. And man, I tell you what, you could be one of the best, but until you're willing to go all the way till you're all in, you're not gonna play because we can't trust you. Dang. And and that was one of the ways that it was a really hard relationship with me because on one hand, it's like, man, I- Yeah, he's your I'm brother. A, yes. And I just, it's like, you know, part of me just loved the dude. Mm -hmm. So nice, so kind, you know? But he'd let up. Yeah. And it was super hard. You know, uh, when people, when you're in the foxhole, in the challenge, in the 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 really difficult places, and you got the, a choice of of you know who you're going to ask to be in it with you. You got somebody who's going to follow through and somebody who's going to let up. Which one are you going to pick? Yeah, the follow through. The somebody who you're like, I know that that dude would get in there with me and do it, even if that person's not as talented. Yeah, I'd still choose that person. That's amazing because that trust makes me better, and I hope someone that they trust me, that I make them better, right? It builds a camaraderie. It builds a a um, a unity and a, and a confidence that it's like, it, what does it matter? We're down seven, it doesn't matter. Defense is about to get a pick, we're gonna go score. There's such a belief that it's, you know, in, in one another. And I honestly think it was one of the most special things that we had in, in college was that like, 
that we were so supportive and it wasn't offense defense special teams it was we're a unit our team yeah watch you know and and this is gonna sound weird but like the better we were was not necessarily when we executed better it was when when the game got scrappier mm. i remember we're playing fsu and uh and one of our best players one of the i mean most unbelievable athletes i've ever been around a guy named percy harvin and uh he could catch a little oh he could run he, <laughs> and, and so he um he gets tackled and can't tell exactly what happens but it, he rolls his ankle slash it looks like Death. it turned his ankle yeah. on purpose and um their student section is is chaining you know really bad stuff towards him yeah, yeah. and their team standing over there talking trash our whole team is like 10 yards on the field like it, it's our dude yeah mm -hmm. you know and so the next play and at that time ffsu had some it was pretty notorious right like the they were a good team their brand but their brand, you know, we won't, we won't say what let's, let's just say we have a big rivalry and we don't really like them too much. And so this is a such an, an intense game. It wasn't just because we're trying to beat them in a football game. They, yeah. that was our brother and you take care of them. And so we gather together and I told her offense, it doesn't matter what they call. This is what we're doing. Coach, this is what we're doing. We're running it right at them. And I want all 11 of us to be five yards in the end zone. Don't push them to the end zone. We're, not, we're I think we're on five or seven yard line going in, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Every one of you have your feet in the end zone. Don't beat your guy, demolish him. <laughs> and, and what's so cool, you can look at the film. Every dude is in the end zone. That's amazing. Every guy is in the end zone motivation inspiration like playing inspired it does change you our team after our brother gets hurt and you hear the crowd chant that you hear their trash talk it played inspired mm. now how can you live that way yeah how can we live with that edge of being inspired when can we do that where it doesn't take that moment now i don't think you always can you can't always play you can't always live and play at peaks right yeah and that's sure. why you have to try to diminish your valleys as much as possible mm -hmm. emotionally in every other way and how can we get back to those moments what can we do in our life that can in inspire us and, and encourage us and you know and those are the daily devotionals the meditation the you know the the brotherhood the talking the conversations all of that but i say that to say that next play it was incredible to see what happened mm -hmm. because they weren't gonna let their brother down when they when he turns on the tv and they and he sees the next play everybody wanted him to be proud of their effort that's, that's pretty cool that is amazing yeah.